This is WMNF Tampa. Hey, this is Frankie Mopar with the Retro Jukebox. I'm here pushing the buttons every Wednesday morning, 3 to 6 a.m. Every week we'll start out the first hour in the 40s and 50s, and then the second hour will start in the early 50s and progress through the 60s and a little 70s. Music is memory, so let's journey through our lives together. The Retro Jukebox, every Wednesday morning, 3 to 6 a.m. on your community conscious radio station, WMNF. If you can't make it in person, the show is available 24-7 at WMNF.org. Good morning and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the rose-tinted Annie Ellis. <laughs> Referring to my onesie. Yes. <laughs> she all... is all just in pink. Yes, it's a great color. <laughs> and answering your calls is Clark, and working the boards is Mr. Bill Grace. Hey, Bill. How um, was your week, Annie? Oh, it was great. I didn't really, you know, I've been working on the inside of my house, so I'm not do. I guess that's all sustainable because I'm fixing old windows that are 100 years old. So, yeah, that's probably good. But I know you have, were representing at the, uh, the garden uh, show and sale at USF. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Kenny, I know you did well at it. Yes, I am uh, sun-kissed. As we say, I was at. You can't U- tell. That's so <laughs> I was at the USF plant sale both days, Saturday and Sunday. I had people come up and say, "Are you on the radio?" <laughs> they recognize your voice. Yeah, and oh, then cool. uh, Lori Walker, the director of so the Botanical charming. Gardens, so charming. She was on last weekend to let us know, or last uh, Monday to let us know. Exactly. About it. Yeah. She said that she heard people in the line literally say the only reason they were there is because they heard us talk about it. I am so thrilled. And Annie, you know what we are? We are tastemakers. <laughs> we tell people this is going to be a things. good show and they go. We're the green people. <laughs> <laughs> so that was That's exciting. Great. That is. I'm really very pleased to hear that, you know, we're contributing to people's knowledge. That's wonderful. And then I'm sure they got lots of great plants. Yeah, made your day. I'm sure I helped you. Yes. All right. So Speaking of gardening, we are going to be talking with Ann Yasalanis, the extension agent in Polk County, who we've had on previously. And the topic is compost, which is great for your backyard and your gardens. And we're going to, she's also going to tell us how to troubleshoot some solutions to the smelly problems and why it's important to be adding compost to your gardens. So stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Um, Hi, this is Annie, and um, I wanted to talk about Ann a little bit. Uh, She's the residential horticulture agent at Master Gardener Volunteer Coordinator at UF IFAS Extension Polk County. She offers education to residents on landscaping and gardening in Central Florida. And uh, welcome back to the program, Ann. We're happy that you uh, got here in time after your vacation. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for having me again. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so we're going to talk about compost today, and I'm a big proponent of it myself. Um, and so we have, you know, we have questions and such, but anything that you think of that you think is worthy to speak up about, just do so. Uh, Great. 
I wanted to, uh, I have compost uh, placed, I have several actually, but so what do you, when you make a compost, when people are thinking about making a compost, what is your guide is to start? Like, do they build one? Do they make it out of wire or wood? Or do they buy a contained one or use a, one that rotates? I mean, what's, what's your advice on that, please? Um, I kind of think it's up to you and um, kind of what you have going on in your yard. And so I know, you know, if you have the space and you're not worried about pets or animals, people like to have a big pile. It's easy. You don't have to purchase anything and, you know, it's there, easy to mix anytime. Um, if you are living in a more restricted community or, again, you're worried about pets or animals, um, getting into that, then I would maybe look to some sort of enclosed uh, bin. I also really think it's important to know how you're going to mix it because that'll help you select what type of bin and setup you want to use as well. And um, I know between our office in Polk County and also the extension office in Hillsborough County, we have quite a few different types of compost bins on display that we always encourage people to kind of go and look at and test out and see if it's something that they might be interested in using prior to purchase. That's a great idea. So they can go out to the extension uh, places and see uh, your displayed ones and they can see what might work best for them. That's a great idea. And she's in Polk County, but Hillsborough County also has those uh, yeah displays. And have you ever heard of the uh, HOA preventing people from building a compost? Oh, I've never thought about that. I have not. Um, most people are going to be putting the compost bins, you know, in a kind of more hidden location. Right, right um, in the backyard so nobody yeah, can see it. Yeah, and they're so small. I mean, the one I have is so small, it's half the size of a trash can that I don't think anyone would ever notice it, yeah, that's even if was it was thinking. in the front yard. You know, I don't know right. what's... I, I can't imagine having one that small. I was wondering about that. I have two. And, uh, I mean, I'm a single person living at my house, and I don't ever put weeds in there, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I can't imagine uh, having enough uh, to have it work, do the job, uh, without having a bigger compost. I just, I can't imagine. But Yeah, I mean, I would select a bin that's right for you know, whatever you have yeah. be it from your kitchen and right. home and from whatever you might have in your yard as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's probably true. It's like I, I eat mostly vegetables and fruit, so there's that. So right. um, and I have a lot of debris. Is yours a tumbler or is it a stationary container? Actually, mine is stationary. We have a couple of different types of tumblers that we've tried at our office. Uh-huh. And um, truthfully, they're, they can be really difficult to tumble they can be heavy particularly they? if they're yeah. full they yeah. can be heavy that's why i suggest you know um trying them out or going to look at them at yeah. one of our offices because they're pretty expensive yeah so the one i have it just has a top that opens that i can add materials in the top and then just a little drawer door on the bottom that i can pull the finished material you know as it decomposes it becomes smaller and it Particles kind of naturally fall to the bottom. Well, and that's one thing uh, probably the public would like to know. What does a finished compost look like? Uh, Because you just described a couple of parts about that. Yeah, so finished compost should look like garden soil from a bag, uh, maybe a little bit chunkier. Mm -hmm. Um, And so finished compost is what you might want to use mixing in with potting mix or in the ground, et cetera, with your plants, starting seeds in a vegetable garden. Mm -hmm. 
Um, when it's partially decomposed, you can still use it. Um, you just have to be a little more um, specific in that sometimes it could pull nutrients away from, you know, germinating seeds or, or plants. Interesting. Sometimes if mine's, you know, got a few eggshells or chunks in it, when I'm harvesting, I'll just kind of throw them back in the in the top. Yeah, that's what I do. What do you mean by uh, it uh, could be detrimental and in in fact uh, reduce your potency or your ability to uh, start your seeds? What do you mean by that? I never heard that before. Well, it's still breaking down the pieces in the compost. So prior to use, if it looks pretty good and you're ready to use it, what I would suggest you do is just get a little container or find a spot where you can start some seeds, maybe radish seeds because they germinate so quickly. Oh, it's a Just test to do a model. quick test yeah. mm -hmm, to make sure everything is okay. Huh. Um, but there are a lot of uses for partially decomposed compost as well um, throughout the yard. You know, I, uh, I have, like I said earlier, I have two and I have the uh, black recycled plastic containers. I've had one for 35 years and it's in perfect condition. I was just going to say that my neighbor got a free one from the city like 40 years ago yeah, and it just when they were gave the good stuff yeah away. and it just like <laughs> broke and she was looking for the company because of like a canadian company yeah. and she just loved it so i'll much. look and see what mine is because they still make the one i have and mine's very old and it, it was in perfect perfect condition but i want i think that, i have that same one <laughs> it's really it's thick black and it's you, you yep. see sort of the waves of the black in it um so the reason why i have two is because i have one active uh, that I'm using all the time and that I'm having one that's finishing itself. Because I don't know uh, about other people, but with it being contained like that, it's not easy to turn. And so I don't turn it very, very rarely. But, uh, you know, since I have two going um, in eight months or whatever, that one is pretty much ready. And what I do is I just take the whole thing up. I just pull it over and then scoop all the stuff out and then put it as a top dress and pull the big stuff away, like you said, and throw it back in the, the one that's working, you know. But yeah, I don't even turn mine. <laughs> and do you think, does it just uh, break down faster if you're turning oh, it? Oh, you, you know. It yeah. does, yeah. There's definitely methods for fast and slow composting. Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, most people, if you're actively using compost um, and you haven't been that there's no way to harvest it, like, you know, the, the chicken wire type method right. or a pile, it is best to have one that's kind of finishing and one that you're um, adding to. Some people even have three in a row, but that really depends on that's how much have. you have well, going. If you have the space, you have the <laughs> acreage. I have like live in <laughs> right. fancy town, you know, and baby baby uh, area. And you can still even do that in a, a smaller bin you could. as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, the minimum size for compost is usually like suggested about three by three oh. and no smaller. Um, so yeah, you could have, you, you know, know, three, three by three piles so if you wanted. The thing I, uh, people, you you mentioned earlier about um, having uh, critters and animals getting into that sort of stuff. Um, and is there uh, the ones that you would select or things that you can do to, to minimize that? Um, there's nothing you can use that will deter animals. Um, I would say if you're really worried about it, just get one that has a bin uh, that's in a bin. So the one that I have is, is just a very similar setup to a lot of different styles and shapes in that the lid comes off. It kind of locks right. in place. So you have to line it up to remove the lid. And if everything's kind of sealed up, 
nothing should get in it. I've never had, I've had it for, I don't know, maybe 20 years and nothing's gotten in, yeah. meaning really smart raccoons haven't gotten in at this point. So those are the ones I think that are, um, you know, the ones trying to get in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a, I have the three open bins, open bins just made out of pallets. Right. And my chickens jump in there every day. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, I have a friend too, Jenny, she has them and her chickens are in there like, you know, digging constantly. I, I mean, I don't really care because they're turning it for me. Absolutely. And they're adding their own fertilizer to it That's as well. Right. That's another thing. Like, do you recommend putting um, manures in or anything like that? Then I have another question about that, too. You can. Yeah, so a lot of people that have chickens, yeah, they're they're fine. It's usually wildlife that's undesired that right, people don't right. want in there um, that then would, would be okay to be in a bin, and I think you'd be safe. So I was saying, you know, if somebody's never composted before and they're really worried about that, mm-hmm. Starting it in an enclosed bin, you should be totally fine. There shouldn't be anything to attract um, wildlife. Um, but yeah, so manures that you can add to your compost, and I would always suggest adding any manures to your compost pile rather than to straight to the vegetable gardening bed because um, there are recommended numbers of days to planting mm-hmm. if you're adding raw manures to beds. Mm-hmm. So, And it's quite a few days. I think it's 60 to 120 days for that. Um, so adding it to your compost pile is a lot easier. You don't have to count days and all of that. That's- and you can add any manures from from herbivores. So chickens, birds, um, rabbits, rabbits, yeah, cows, are cool yep. manure. Mm-hmm. All too, of that I would found. work. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this: and you um, you just said uh, to have it for a certain length of time. Is that to uh, make sure that the bacteria is uh, is down, or is is there another mm-hmm. reason? Correct. It's just to make sure that everything was decomposed prior to planting. Okay. Mm-hmm. One quick thing I wanted to throw in there before we get to all these phone calls that are calling uh, is uh, I did have rats that came in mine one time and they were bedding in there once. And it was because I hadn't put enough water in there because they're not going to want to come in if it's wet. And so I just started watering it like I'm supposed to. And, and I never had the problem. And I also put double chicken wire on the bottom uh, to keep any kind of digging situation. So that, that works. So in Kenny has yeah, and I know people have asked about um, that, and then also fire ants. People get concerned about oh, that too. But right. if you are routinely mixing, <laughs> meaning at, you know once a week, not every day, oh. but once or t- once a week, once every couple weeks, and then you're adding moisture, nothing is going to want to make a nest in yeah, there. Yeah, you're right. And Kenny, you want to take it away? Sure. So I just want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Ann Yasalanis, an extension agent in Polk County. And we're talking about backyard composting and troubleshooting problems. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. And we already have phone calls and emails. So, hello, Hawk from Sarasota. Hello, how are you today? We're doing great. great. Thanks for calling. Well, my, I had, I had a, a couple, two quick questions real quick. Well, first of all, my, my compost pile is, right in the middle of two citrus trees mm. on a fence line. Is that okay for my citrus? How close is it to the roots? Uh, there, It's within drip line. Oh. All right, Ann, what do you think about that? Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think it 
should be fine there. Um, you know, most compost bins and piles are open on the bottom. So um, if you're worried about a lot of nutrients leaching and you notice anything with your, your citrus, you could move it, but it, it should be fine. Most plants grow really well or actually try and scoot themselves a little closer mm -hmm. to the compost yeah. when they have access to all those nutrients there. All right. And the other quick question was, uh, I'd always done organic uh, compost in my compost for about 10, almost 15 years. And then three years ago, I got two big dogs. Oh, that was one of my questions about yeah, composting dog waste. About, you were just talking about that. Yeah. And, composting and dog waste is different, the, though. I got dog waste. Yeah, but that's different than the herbivores she was just talking about. All right, Ann, what, what do you think about that? So typical suggestions are to not compost dog waste um, in your, your regular compost pile. But there are specific ways to compost dog waste that would be separate. And you really, you know, get questions about dog waste. And, and you know, sometimes people put things that lean towards like meat and oil products that we don't always recommend or even, you know, um, things that have been treated with pesticides. And those are always kind of a caution type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, particularly if you're putting them on edible plants, you really need to be a bit more careful. Um, but I would suggest looking into um, dog waste composting methods. Actually, that's something um, I'm going to start looking into at my own home. And I think there are some methods you can even do with earthworms. So um, I may have to share that later when I know more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was just wondering, like, it may even potentially be better for some specific plants, maybe like, like azaleas or acid-loving plants or something like that, you know, I don't know if it could be a specific compost, it if should, it was not that compost, you know, even. It should be separated, for sure. Yeah, sure. I would separate it. And you shouldn't, okay, put it, you shouldn't put it in with the ones by your citrus, because that's your edible. Right. Perfect. Go online and look up composting dog waste. There's a ton of information about it. I will do that. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for the call. Thank you, Hawk. Thanks, Ann. Uh, all right. So we got a couple of uh, emails. The first one is from Randall in Palm Harbor. He was wondering, how do you maintain the compost? So after it breaks down, is it going to break down to like nothing? Or do you have to just keep adding soil he wants to know if you have to add soil, eggshells, or what. So the nice thing about composting is it's going to compost itself no matter if you do anything to it or not. <laughs> so think about a big pile of oak leaves that you've raked up in your yard. You can let them sit there and they'll naturally break down. They'll break down a lot faster if you do things to it, like mixing and turning and adding to it. So it just kind of depends on how fast you want your compost and what method of composting you're doing. Um, I can talk a little bit about fast composting if you want me to do that. Yeah. Okay, so um, to get your compost more quickly, you would practice what is known as like hot composting or, or fast composting. So that means starting with an optimum size, so like that three by three, um, and then keeping it moist, like a wrung out sponge is kind of the moisture comparison that we make. Um, and then you've got your good mix of brown materials and our brown materials, something dried. So dried oak leaves, dried grass, you could technically use like um, shredded paper, that sort of thing. And then your greens, which is going to provide the nitrogen. 
that'll help break down that brown stuff more quickly. So that could be kitchen waste, um, manures, that sort of thing. And so what should happen in fa fast composting or hot composting is you mix it, it's moist, it heats up, the pile shrinks and cools down, you come back again and do the, all those things over and over again. And it'll break down much more quickly that way. I have two questions on that myself. Uh, so what's the percentage on, uh, we have lots of calls, uh, what's the percentage on the browns to green and how often do you have to water a closed uh, container? Because I know that's where I screwed up. Yeah, so it kind of depends on how quickly it dries out. So again, wrung out sponge, so kind of moist. you got to be careful of getting it too wet. And then also if it's hard to mix in there, if you end up with spots that are really wet and some that are really dry, that can be a problem. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I, I don't really water mine ever because I practice <laughs> lazy composting, slow composting. <laughs> um, I compost just to get stuff out of the landfill, out of my trash can. Right. So I just, that's my reasoning for doing it. And I kind of just add stuff. And um, I actually put my stuff in the freezer. So any kitchen scraps break down in the freezer and actually are really, really watery when I add them. So that naturally adds water. Oh, maybe um, that's why you don't have to add water. No, I don't dry. add. I don't add a really lot. Dry. Yeah. So you know, just kind of add as as needed is yeah. really you know the the answer there. And as far as um, kind of ratios for 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 browns or the carbon materials to the greens, which are the nitrogen, it's about three to one. So um, a lot of browns to a little bit of greens. Oh. So again, remember the greens are providing that that energy to break down the brown materials. Okay, thank you. Very good. So we have another call. We have John from St. Pete. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. My question, my question is, um, I have a, a two-chamber uh, composter. It's a tumbler. And... Um, We've been putting like orange peelings, banana peelings, and uh, I guess some twigs sometimes, and some leaves. And but uh, anyway, it's, it's real moist, and there's like maggots in there. Is that oh. normal? Yes, that can, that can be normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you notice things that you're mentioning, like the citrus rinds or the banana peels, um, not breaking down very quickly. Um, those are things that could be broken down into smaller pieces. So um, obviously the smaller they are, the more quickly they'll break down. But usually those we suggest cutting into pieces smaller than like two inches or so. So Yeah, we, we usually cut up the, the orange peelings uh, and the banana uh, peels. We cut them up into small pieces. Uh, we throw our like uh, uh, leftover lettuce or something like that in there. It's just a lot of table stuff, and we uh, chop up, like, newspaper to newspaper in there. But uh, my, my thing was, I was just wondering, you know, it, it was just real moist in the magazine. The magazine, I, I wasn't sure if that was normal, but... Uh, Yes, there'll yeah. be lots of insects in there. Mm -hmm. Helping break down the compost. Well, I was under the impression that that meant you need more browns. Is that not true or no? I, I must be wrong. Well, it, it's, it's hard to say over the phone, but it yeah. could be that it's too wet or the ratios aren't ideal, I suppose. Um, so you may need to add something to it. Um, again, I would kind of always... Um, lean towards the little bit drier side mm -hmm. because you know again it'll just be slower to break down 
it could be hard to remedy a compost pile that's, you know, sopping wet or, you know, has too much nitrogen in it. Okay. So what I should, probably should do is throw in a, more leaves to kind of dry it out. That would work. Also, something fairly easy to add um, to, to dry out a pile would be like shredded paper from a, you know, machine shredder because um, that'll okay. suck up any moisture pretty quickly, too. All right. Uh, thank you. Thanks for calling. Uh, bye. Thank you, John. So, Ann, we have a couple of emails. One is they find that their compost soil is like mud and it root it rots the roots of the plants that they put it wow. near. So they were wondering how they can amend that. Um, if the compost from your compost pile is um, like mud, it sounds like it is very wet, perhaps maybe too much nitrogen in it. Um, again, it should kind of have the consistency of a bagged soil, or if you've ever purchased bagged compost, I mean, that's what it should ideally look like when it's finished. Um, and it could be that um, that's too much for whatever soil type or plant type you're adding it to and growing. Um, and um, you may want to add some Maybe some just some garden soil. You could add some sand in when you're mixing it into the landscape. Or even um, if it's a routine problem, you might want to just do a simple pH test to see if it's throwing off the whole pH. All right. Very good. We have another caller. We have Chris from Clearwater. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Chris, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? We yes, can we hear can. you now. Okay. Uh, to answer John, uh, yeah, I, I like the maggots in my compost. I do grow it at a bin, and so it gets uh, rained on, and uh, there's a crack on the lid, uh, which doesn't bother me because I like those soldier fly maggots that I can then uh, strain out and then give it to my neighbors raising chickens and yeah, quails. Yeah, the chickens love it. Yeah, yeah, good source of protein, and you know, quails need a little bit more protein than chickens, so um, that's uh, you know a good way to avoid having to uh, pay for the expensive organic feed. And uh-huh. and uh, living here in the Clearwater Community Garden neighborhood, uh, I can always get rid of my uh, soldier fly larvae. And um, you know, I want to tell folks that another good source of compost is uh, that breaks down very quickly is when you go to a juice bar or the delis at health stores where they do their juicing, ask them for their pulp, and uh, it'll break down in well under a month, maybe two, three weeks, and you'll have yourself some compost ready to go so you don't have to worry about the fertilizer shortage. Uh, I wouldn't be using fertilizer mm-hmm. anyway just because it's uh, you know from phosphate mining and it only has those three nutrients, potassium, nitrogen, and phosphorus. That's a great idea. You know, the other thing you could get would be uh, you could get the pineapple tops from those people too. Yeah, 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 I do that too. So yeah. I have a potted pineapple plantation as well. Oh, that's good. Good, good. Thanks, Chris, for the All suggestion. Right. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. You know, you can also get the coffee grounds from the coffee shops as well. Yes. All right. We got several more emails. Oh, wow. Um, We're rocking it today. I don't want to say I have a favorite listener because I've never met. Is it met- Baba? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really know who Baba is, but we like him. <laughs> we just like your name, yeah. Baba. All right. He wants to know, how do you cut back on a smell from the compost? Don't he says he worries about the neighbors complaining. That's a good... All right. So compost should not have any odor at all. Yeah. Um, if there is an odor, it's something's going on with your compost bin, and you kind of have to troubleshoot from there so um it could be that it is too wet Mm -hmm. 
Um, it could be that there's um, kind of anaerobic type pockets in the compost where stuff is just kind of, you know, in there, there's no oxygen getting in there and, um, you know, they're just creating an odor that way. Um, if you add a lot of um, grass, fresh grass clippings, that could be a problem with that if it's not getting mixed up well. Um, uh, UF IFAS has a lot of information on how to troubleshoot. Um, and we have a nice table that will show, you know, smells and how to, to remedy them. So you kind of have to figure out what's going on in your bin um, to, to change that up. All right. And speaking of smells, we have another email from David Bryan, who also participates regularly. So we do like David as well. And he wants to know, can you compost human excrement? Mm. Again, this is just like the the dog manure. (laughs) There might be an option, um, but not in this, these methods that we're speaking about. Okay. Um, That is something that's done though. I was just going to say, I went to Missouri last summer for a little fun. Yeah. And uh, my friends live on... That's where everybody goes for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friends live in, I don't want to say commune, but they they, they and like six other people have 300 acres. Oh, that's And nice. they each get 15 to 20 acres. That's a large amount. And they all have to Go to the bathroom compost. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just... It's Sorry, David, we don't have the details, but there's a lot of wood shavings involved yeah. and buckets have to sit for around two years. Yeah, it's a so, long time. So they get the five-gallon buckets from like Home Depot or Lowe's and then it's like equal parts, human excrement and wood shavings. And then you just sit it outside for two years and then it breaks down and then you can safely use it for your vegetables. And that's Missouri. Missouri does get like 100 degrees as well in the it, summer. But it also freezes. But it also so gets cold. So we would cold, probably yeah. have the cooking time would probably be lessened. Yeah. Actually. All right. We got a couple. poop. <laughs> Yuck. So we have a couple of more emails. One is how, this is from Anne in Tampa. Okay. She wants to know, Lots how to do you today. avoid cockroaches in a closed rotating tub? Oh, and? I don't think you do. I don't think you do either. <laughs> I don't think um, they're everywhere. They're Florida's native bird or bird, aren't they? I think so. <laughs> just remember all the insects and things you find in there are helping to break down your compost. Yes. And to try and keep those all out is going to be a really big job. Well, and also it's part of the circle. I mean, they, they need to be in there. All the bugs need to be in there doing their job. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Yeah, all, not all creepy and crawlies, what? Are bad. That's it. <laughs> all right. So uh, Anne also has a second follow-up question. If she has a black compost bin, which probably what uh, Annie and Anne have been talking about, mm-hmm. does it matter if it's placed in the shade or the sun? No, it doesn't matter at all um, for any type of compost bin. Sun or shade is fine. All right. And then we have another email from Leah in Tampa. She wants to know if fruit pits like nectarines and peaches, do they have trouble breaking down in a compost bin? They, they do, yes. You can, you can throw them in anyway. Um, any type of, of seeds, whether tiny tomato seeds to big seeds, obviously, um, you know, they can still germinate unless your compost gets really hot. So if you have ever noticed, again, tomatoes are a really common one. You've, you've thrown, you know, 
cut up tomato parts in there and all of a sudden you've got some tomatoes sprouting out of the side of your compost pile, it's not hot enough to kill them. So um, either be okay with that or you may need to, to, to do all of those things I mentioned earlier about increasing the heat um, in your pile to kill any seeds. And so that kind of goes along with weeds as well. So unless yeah. you know your pile is going to get hot enough to kill weed seeds, you probably <coughs> want to throw those weeds into your yard waste trash bin. Yeah, and, I, I used to do it and I got more weeds. <laughs> <laughs> we have one uh, last uh, email right now and it's from Chip and he was wondering if it's a good idea to put the stuff through a garburator or a garbage disposal before you put How in do the you compost. get it out of your garbage disposal? Chip, Chip did not uh, did specify that. Uh-huh. Okay. But I, like my neighbor has this thing that looks like a weed whacker, but it's for leaves. Uh-huh. You know what I it mean? It chips them up. Yeah, so uh-huh. maybe... A grinder of some sort. Yeah. Well, I do know that people, I mean, we're answering for you, Anne, but I do know that people put a lot of things in the blender. I don't do, I don't do any that of That seems this. like a lot of work. Oh, I don't do any Anne, of Anne, what are you, what are your feelings about that? I I would never do that. I'm way too lazy Me to do too. that. But if you would like to, um, that is totally fine. Again, if you're doing what the previous caller mentioned, where you're going to, you know, juice bar whatever yeah. you know that stuff is perfect it's already pretty well broken down yeah well so that stuff breaks down pretty fast anyway any of that that kitchen waste yeah can you put too much coffee grounds in a compost yeah so coffee grounds are nitrogen so you just have to watch that nitrogen content um of your your bin yeah, I a lot of people are always saying, you know, they just put them directly around their plants and it just seems like excessive to me. That's that's a big bag. But Some somebody earlier today was talking about how they had the compost saddling two citrus trees. Yeah. And I've heard that it's it's a good idea to do that for bananas, like but to have exactly the compost bin near bananas, the banana because tree. they're a heavy feeder and yes. a heavy In fact, drinker. Tanya, Tanya told me to put my compost over by my bananas, and it's just not the right place for my compost. But <laughs> All right, so Annie wants to reintroduce yes, you to, to see if we can get some more great <laughs> callers and emails. Yes, and I am Annie, and you are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Anne Yesalon. An, how do you say that? Yesalanis. Yesalanis. Is, is how we say it, Anne. Okay. <laughs> yes. Is that correct? Are we <laughs> yes. Oh, good. And she's the extension agent in Polk County. Today, we're talking about backyard composting. And if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on the air. And can you tell us what compost tea is? Yeah, so compost tea is basically just the liquid that comes off of your compost pile. And so some compost bins, you can, um, they have almost a, a, a spout on them where you can, can get that out. Um, and then some people, um, they almost make like a tea bag with the compost as the tea and hang it in water. And um, then you can use that as a, as a very weak fertilizer for your plants. I had a friend that used to make a giant bag of uh, chicken manure and put it in mm. uh, a big barrel of water, and it was the best stuff ever. I mean, it really worked out on those plants he was growing them. My neighbor has a niece that has cows, yeah, and she does the same thing. She puts like a little bag of the cow manure in a five-gallon 
bucket, mm-hmm. and then she waters all of her seedlings mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. And she has like five foot tall broccoli, and I have twelve inch tall exactly. broccoli. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, this guy was w- working it too, so that's some, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. I might have to do that again. So, Anne, we've been talking about all these uh, creepy crawly things, and a lot of people are trying to avoid them. But there's another way to compost, and that's vermiculture, which right is on. when you purposefully are composting with worms. Can you tell us how you do that? Yeah, so um, actually one of the things that a lot of people do that have worms is make um, a tea from the the worm castings, which is um, the final product of of worm composting. So that's a pretty popular compost tea also. Um, So if you're interested in worm composting or vermicomposting, um, that's usually done in an enclosed type of a bin because they'll leave view if it's open on the bottom like most compost is Um, and there's bins that you can purchase there's bins that um, you can make our master gardener volunteers teach worm composting and how to build um, worm farms um, in our county but you may find that in your county as well Um, and you use what are called red wiggler worms um, and they are great for people that have a lot of kitchen scraps. You're not going to be putting, you know, leaves and grass clippings and branches and things in there. Um, but they break down that kitchen scrap material very, very quickly. That's uh, a great idea. We have a little uh, ad, little message from Bill. I want to ask about real quick, real quick. I want to ask about the ants, though. I had a friend that when she had a worm bin, she had ants uh, problem. Is there a way to prevent that or is there a reason why she had that? Yeah, I don't know why that would have happened. Um, I don't currently have a worm farm, but I I have, and I had them in there too. Uh-huh. Um, you may have to just maybe move where you have um, where it was. your worm farms located. Um, yeah. I know a, a lot of our master gardeners keep them like in enclosed, you know, patios oh, like in and a stuff garage. like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And under the kitchen sink is oh, a good idea really? too. Inside your house? You can keep them inside. Yeah, they should not have a smell like other compost as well. So if you have the space, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can keep it inside. All right, we're going to get back to this in just a second. We have a message from Bill. Yes, thank you. Do you ever look up at the night sky and see the billions and billions of stars and think to yourself, in the scheme of things, you're mighty insignificant? Well, feel that way no more. Just go to our website, WMNF.org, and click on the tip jar icon at the top left and direct your donation to SUL for Sustainable Living. And by supporting the Sustainable Living Show in WMNF Tampa, you can look anyone directly in their eyes and say, I am significant. (laughs) And then you'll be a star. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> so, Anne, I was a middle school science teacher and agriculture teacher for many years, and I had a worm bin in the classroom, and Annie, it didn't smell. That's cool. The kids loved it. Yeah. They, you know, as soon as I returned their papers, they would shred them up and feed them to the worms. <laughs> but I will say that we killed a colony of worms once by giving them pencil shavings, and I don't, I think oh. we maybe uh, affixed the... Like they may have had something in the uh, the the wood, or they just uh, like got dried up or something. I don't know. It's they could have been treated wood. You know that could have been treated wood. So, Anne, is there? Do you know of stuff that you shouldn't be giving to the worms? There, there is a list of things that cannot go into um, to worm bins. Um, I think there were some acidic fruits. I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. There were some of the acidic fruits. 
fats, um, obviously no dairy or anything or oils like our other ones as well. But yeah, we do have a list of stuff that can can go in and cannot go in. And at your extension uh, office and at other, you know, each county has an extension office. You Do you offer classes about composting or worm farming? Yes, we do both. So we do just general types of composting classes that kind of just talk about the methods of getting started and how to compost. And then we offer um, worm composting classes as well. And many times we also at those classes um, have a make and take option where you can make oh. a worm farm um, during the class. We make them out of like a, a Rubbermaid type container. Um, and teach you how to put the holes in and the, make the bedding and all of that sort of thing um, in our classes. We also have fact sheets on how you can can do that if you're interested on doing it, you know, at home or whatever. And are you use, can you use any type of worm or these specific composting worms? Just these uh, red wigglers. Um, and if you know somebody that worm composts, um, they'll probably have plenty for you. Um, we were actually talking about in our office even selling small quantities of the worms as well if people couldn't get a hold of them. A lot of times people mail order them as well, so you is can that, get them. Is that the same kind that you could get at a bait shop or they're different? No, they're really, these are really small and kind of skinny worms. Oh, okay. So um, I forgot what I was going to ask you. <laughs> but they're pretty inexpensive and then like Ann mm -hmm. was saying... Once you have your compost, oh, I know. I you know they multiply so much. It's kind of like kombucha. You're like, oh, here's the yeah, mother for the you. Extension yeah. office and see if your extension office has a master gardener program. Probably somebody is raising worms, and they might be able to either refer you to a local place that sells them. I don't know of any local places offhand, but there might be in other counties. Or they might say, oh, yeah, you know, we have a ton. We can get you some some worms to start. I also, the, what I just remembered, all of a sudden it emptied out of my brain, came back, uh, is y'all's uh, classes are listed on Eventbrite. And uh, I know I'm listed on Eventbrite to get classes of things that interest me. Mm -hmm. So you can go on there and put in the things that interest you, and the things will automatically come up for the oh, classes. That's cool. Yeah, it's great. I love it. So you just like type in gardening. And well, then, and it gives you a specifics, ones you, you're interested mm -hmm. in. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, it, it feeds me e emails all the time on it. It's great. It reminds me right before the class is going to start, too, even. So, and you gave us that little hack about how to get free worms. And then you talked, we kind of talked about those black uh, compost bins. They can be expensive. So, is it possible to make your own compost bin? It sure is. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of different um, kind of guidelines on, on different compost bins. You can make, again, anything from just, you know, the chicken wire kind of circle um, to making them out of things like um, uh, trash cans. We have a, um, a tumbling style compost bin at our office in our demo gardens that is... Um, it's basically, if you know what a rain barrel looks like, it's a, you know, a oh, drum yeah. that's kind of elevated on a platform that, and that spins. So I think you can get pretty creative and um, figure out something to meet your needs pretty easily. Yeah, that's a good idea. Repurposing a rain barrel. We have another caller. We have Jackie from Sarasota. And I think she has a suggestion about my pencil shaving problem. Hi, Jackie. <laughs> oh, hi, Kenny. 
<laughs> yeah, hey, thanks. A lot of great information here today. But, yeah, when you mentioned the pencil shavings, you know, my first thought was the lead. You probably, they probably well, it's graphite. Probably died from it's graphite. lead poisoning. We will. I didn't give um, the worms a necropsy, so it could be lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So you don't think the graphite would have hurt them? I don't know. I've never thought about it before until everybody's bringing it up today. <laughs> <laughs> but I will look it up. <laughs> but, but I do know that it was not a good thing to add to the worm bin. <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, yeah, you must have had a sad class. Yeah. <laughs> all, they uh, learned. I was going to say, all thousand of the worms were named. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> right, everything's a learning experience. That's okay, right. Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie. All righty. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call. Yes. All right. So, and do you, can we touch compost with our bare hands? Are we concerned about pathogens or how do we know if it's safe? I think if it's your compost pile and you know what you're putting in it, you're totally fine to, to touch it with your bare hands. Um Again, if you're adding manures to it and you're at all concerned about touching those, um, you can look on UFIFIS's website, Gardening Solutions. There's a lot of composting information and it does have those days to harvest. So you can kind of follow some of those guidelines as far as manures breaking down. I do know that there are some restrictions if you are composting um, in um, community gardens or at schools. So if that's something you're interested in or are doing, you may want to just check and make sure everything you add to those types of compost piles are approved. Okay. We have another email and they said that some pet shops sell red wigglers for fish and reptiles to eat so you could maybe buy them locally at a pet store. You know, I just looked up about the pencil shavings and because <laughs> I'm so curious. And it says that it's not a problem. It says that generally they die from overfeeding. So I wonder if it was a combination. It's interesting, though. Good point. Maybe they they overate the pencil shavings or well, other no, things? It was just it said that the the cedar used in the pencils are usually not, hmm. and, and then the graphite is benign. So neither one of those would be the cause. However, if they, maybe it was coincidentally, they were getting too much food in another level. That's what I'm thinking. This is like a serious topic because we just got an email from Paul Zamoda, oh, wow. and he says the graphite is pure carbon, the wood is cedar, but he thinks that the paint might be the culprit on the outside of the paint. Okay, the paint. Thank you, Paul, for that call. I've been trying to get in touch with you. I want to have you on the show. That's my opportunity. (laughs) All right, so uh, this is another question. So let's say you, well, it doesn't matter how big your yard is, but what happens if you make too much compost? Oh, yeah. Is there a way to store it or... (laughs) Or are you just going to have piles of this beautiful black gold? Call me up. I'll come get it. I mean, I'm (laughs) sure you could store it in, you know, buckets or whatever you want. It's fine just sitting in the bin or in a pile if, um, you know, it's going to sit there for a while. Um, If you've finished an entire bin and you don't have a use for it but want to keep adding stuff, that's kind of a situation where I maybe would say do do a two-pile type of a system. But it's not going to go bad or anything like that. You can still use it. Mm-hmm. Will, will it wash out if it's uh, exposed to the rain? Uh, will the nutrients just uh, wash out? I thought oh, about sure. that. I mean, it can, it can wash away and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, 
Maybe see if a friend or neighbor needs some compost. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because I use it like a fertilizer. I was going to say, Ann, do you recommend top dressing vegetable buds or your landscape beds with the compost or planting things directly in the compost or like what percentage of like, I don't know, store-bought soil compared to homemade compost should you be using? Um, yeah, so actually a method of composting is if you have, um, you know, oak leaves, as many of us do, um, when all of them fall, using those oak leaves as a mulch in your landscape is a method of composting. Because if you think about it, they're breaking down and improving your soil while they mulch. Mm-hmm. So you can certainly top dress any landscape beds. You can, you can do vegetable gardens as well with your compost. Um, just remember that it's being used as a mulch so keep it about two to three inches and pull it away from the base of all of your plants um so that's totally fine and you can mix it in anytime you're planting um if you have sensitive plants or areas in your yard you're worried about the ph changing you can always get a quick ph test done at your extension office i'm pretty sure every county does um ph testing and most of us test every week so um if you're worried about that addition, you can get it tested. You know, I do one thing. I just wanted to throw this in here. I have an area that I have as part of my driveway that I uh, cover with uh, shredded uh, tree uh, debris. And uh, after a year or so, it breaks down. So I rake that up and mix that with my compost uh, and mix it in with my uh, vegetables. I barely turn it because I'm a a no-till gardener, but I put that in there and that loosens it up quite a bit. Um, And then I get a new new pile and start over again. So that that works really well. Just throwing it out there. Is your child in the background? (laughs) (laughs) We have a helper. So, Ann, we just got a little bit, a few minutes left. Earlier, we were talking about like like the quick method of compost, having heat. Can you compost year-round in Florida? Yes, you can compost year-round. Um, you know, no restrictions on sun, shade, time of year, rainfall. I would say the biggest concern would be people that have an open pile and they're worried about rainfall washing stuff away and that sort of thing. Uh. Um, and that can be tricky because difficult to cover an open pile, but you could if you needed to cover it with a tarp and secure rocks or something on it. But yeah, there aren't any, any times of year that you can't compost here. And if you have a, so if you want to get the compost hot and let's say it's in the shade or if it, or if you have one of those huge thermometers and it's not getting hot, how, how can you encourage it to heat up? So the, it doesn't have to be in the sun to heat up. It's it's heating internally. And a compost thermometer is really, really helpful. Um, and it's actually really interesting to watch it heat up. I mean, sometimes they get really hot. And sometimes you can see steam, particularly if it's cold. Um, so if, it's, if it doesn't seem to be... Um, heating up as much as you would like. Again, go back to those those methods of, is it moist enough, um, like a wrung out sponge? Have you added enough nitrogen to break down the carbon materials? Um, are you mixing it frequently enough? And frequently, I mean, it could get hot. It should get hot, mixing it once a week. I did a um, class a couple of years ago and we added and mixed once a week and our pile got to 180 no problem i was wondering the temperature wow so that's the number you're looking for 180 and 
it can be around that temperature. That's what the the pile we were working on in our class got to that. Uh Um, But yeah, it can be, again, hot enough to to create steam. Great. All right. Thank you, Anne. Um, Can you remind listeners how to contact the Polk Extension Office? Sure. To learn more? Um, Sure. So our um, our office in Polk County is in Bartow. We have um, uh, award-winning Florida-friendly landscapes all around. So if you're interested in visiting, you can you know come by anytime. They're open to the public, you know, all the time. And we actually have a self-guided audio tour that you can kind of take on your oh, phone as you nice. go through. Um, and we have a couple of compost bins. I believe we have four or five compost bins that you can take a look at. Um, so if you want to visit, um, you can do that. Otherwise, you can contact us. Um, we have a plant clinic that is staffed um, pretty much every day. And you can call or you can email um, our Master Gardener volunteers and they will um, assist you in any way you can um, to get your gardening questions, composting questions answered. Um, do you and our need phone those number- numbers? We can put it in the show it's notes. Eight six three five one nine one zero four one, or the email is polk p o l k m g at ufl dot edu. And then, if yeah. you're not in Polk County, you should be contacting your local, your, yeah, or Pinellas or or whichever you're yeah. in. Yeah, true. Could yeah, be, that should be easy enough by wide. googling. Yeah, you can Google your county and put UFI Fist Extension, and it should pop right up. Otherwise, you know, we're happy if you call us, we can direct you to where you need to go. It happens all the time. Very good. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Anne. Sure. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. It's always fun. It is fun. We thank appreciate you. it. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. Today, Flea will have rare Beach Boy tracks, music from the new Elvis movie, new releases from Stereolab, Martin Courtney, Ben Harper, Jack Johnson, and more. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to WM, WMNF's Easy for you to say. <laughs> HD3 <laughs> channel, the source to, to listen to today's Tom Hartman Show live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, where we will be talking about community gardens with Kitty Wallace. Yay. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. I'm Kenny Coogan. And I am Annie Ellis. Remember, if you are looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye-bye. Bye. Here comes the sun.